Hello, I'm Anna Elliott and this is Blendle Handpicked. If you give me five minutes of your time, I'll give you three stories that stood out above all the rest this week. My first pick today is an extremely informative piece from Dr. Tom Frieden in the Wall Street Journal on the obstacles a new coronavirus vaccine has to clear before it can be deemed a success. Now, there's a lot of information out there on vaccines at the moment, which ones are being trialled, how far along in the process they are. But this piece stands out as one of the most important things you can read about the virus right now. Frieden is a physician and the former director of America's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, known more commonly as the CDC. So he knows his stuff. And here he explains in clear terms the hurdles facing scientists working on a vaccine. He starts with a deceptively simple sounding obstacle. The vaccine has to work. But what does that actually mean? Prompting an immune response would be good, but it wouldn't necessarily protect against reinfection. And even if a vaccine stopped you getting the disease, it might not be able to prevent you from spreading it to someone else. On top of that, a vaccine might be more effective in some demographics than others, and we won't know how long it might provide protection for. That's a heck of a lot of unknowns, and any one of them could get in the way of immunizing the population from COVID-19. Besides the question of whether we can make a vaccine that works for enough people, there are further concerns over safety and distribution that Frieden explains in similar detail. What this piece does really well is clarify the complexities behind creating a vaccine, and it's really important for this information to be made public in order to ensure citizens trust the process enough to take the vaccine in the first place, and to understand that everyone might not all be able to get it at once. In fact, more likely is that we'll have a few vaccines that become available at different times, work in different ways, and that are distributed to some communities before others. This piece is only five minutes from Saturday's Wall Street Journal, and I can guarantee reading it will be time well spent. Next up is a story from Henry Mance in FT Weekend on why Johnny Depp's recent libel trial was among the most extraordinary in English legal history. Normally, I wouldn't recommend a celebrity gossip piece to you, but that's not what this is. This is a haunting article, not only on the events surrounding the trial itself, but on what happens when you pull back the veil of celebrity and find something quite sad behind it. A bit of background. Johnny Depp sued Britain's Sun newspaper for calling him a wife-beater after his ex-wife and fellow actor Amber Heard alleged that he had been physically and psychologically abusive to her. During this trial, Heard gave evidence as a witness, describing 14 incidents of abuse. The trial itself contained salacious details. Human waste in Depp and Heard's bed, snorting cocaine through a tampon applicator, an affair with tech billionaire Elon Musk. It was also, in Mance's words, so surreal that at times I wondered if I had taken as many drugs as Depp himself. Some of the best lawyers in England and Wales would determine whether Depp was a domestic abuser or whether his ex-wife Heard was a fantasist. But no matter who wins in the judge's verdict, due in the autumn, Mance makes it clear that there are no winners here. Instead, he was left wondering what induced these people to rake over the most sordid parts of their relationship in such a profoundly public setting. Fans of both Depp and Heard turned up outside the courthouse, cheering their hero and booing their villain. 
Mance also points out that in a post-MeToo world, it's extraordinary that such dark allegations would play out on the public stage in the form of a libel trial, rather than a domestic abuse trial. There's something queasy about getting such an up-close-and-personal look at megastars. And even those hungry for celeb gossip might look back on this trial as a moment when they lost their innocence. For a closer look at how the trial played out, and to bathe in Mansa's excellent writing, check out the full 10-minute piece from Friday's FT Weekend. Last up today, I've got another story from the Wall Street Journal, this time from Elizabeth Bernstein, and it's on how the food you eat can help fight anxiety, anger and insomnia. So, scientists have known that certain foods can help against depression for more than a decade. But there's emerging evidence that food can be a useful tool in managing a broader range of emotional challenges too. For this eye-opening piece, Bernstein interviews Uma Naidu, a nutritional psychiatrist who specialises in helping people cope with mental illness through nutritional strategies. And Naidu helps explain this strong link between the gut and the brain that scientists are only just starting to understand. In recent years, we've been reading more and more about the microbiome, the plethora of bacteria that live in the gut, and how the balance between different microorganisms can be different from person to person. As Naidu explains, that's relevant here because one person with depression may respond differently to certain foods than another person with depression. Nevertheless, she does have general pointers for the types of foods that will help promote a healthy brain. In fact, she has a mnemonic to help people remember. It spells out brain foods, starting with B for berries, R for a rainbow of colours of fruits and vegetables, and so on. And she has specific tips for certain foods and spices that help target stress specifically, useful in these uncertain times, as well as anger, insomnia, and depression. Bernstein and Naidu take care to emphasise that food cannot serve as a replacement for treatments such as medication or talk therapy, but if you can give your brain a boost by eating slightly differently, then that's got to be worth a try. You can find out more by reading the full four-minute article from last Tuesday's Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining me for this week's top stories. Check out the show notes for the links to the articles. And if you want to read more, you can go to blendle.com and subscribe to the Daily Digest newsletter, which we send out at 8am Eastern. If you want to get in touch with your thoughts on the show, you can email me at editorial at blendle.com and you can follow us on Twitter at Blendle. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Oh.